Hello Queens, welcome back to another episode of Here for the Crack with me, Emma Neil. I hope you're all doing well. I still can't believe last week's episode was an hour and 20 minutes long. This will definitely not be that long for anyone that doesn't like the longer podcasts. I actually really like long podcasts, but I know it's kind of annoying when you like want to listen to something in a certain amount of time, you know, on your drive to work or on your morning walk or something and you end up having to like split it over three days because it's that long. Does anyone else find that they just don't listen to music half as much anymore? I swear when it comes to music I don't even know what I like at the minute. Like I find it so hard to know. I I just get really bored with music. If anyone has any good playlists please send them my way. I'm always looking for new music because I can never be bothered to try and like poke it out it's so hard to find new artists that you like and new albums and stuff that you like and there's always such a long list of new episodes in my like you know your spotify account the way you, if you follow podcasts and it all comes up in like new episodes i swear there's literally about 20 new ones every day so i'm just constantly listening to podcasts so if anyone has any good summer playlists please send them my way I'm actually taking my first yoga class this week. Well, when you're listening to this, it will have been last week, which is really exciting. Oh my God. Right. This is the one issue though that I have. Okay. So, right. Let's backtrack a little bit. When I was in primary six, I remember the day as clear as water. And I remember the exact classroom that I was in, the teacher that I had, the people that were in my class. I remember all of it. And basically it was one of those, do you know when you're in primary school and you have to do those, every now and then you'll have to do those kind of like talks to the class. It's actually a two minute talk about your favourite hobby or something that means something to you. Like it's literally so vague and you can get up and you can talk about your pet, you can talk about a sport that you play, you know, just something like that. And I actually can't remember what this one was about that is the one little detail I've forgotten. Anyway, that is relevant. So there, I don't think there's any particular order. The teacher is just kind of saying someone's name and they get up and do their little two minute, three minute presentation and everyone claps and sits back and they sit back down. So I'm not nervous for it. At least I don't think I am. You know, there's nothing going through my head telling me that I'm freaking out or anything about it. But then the second the teacher says, calls my name, all of a sudden my heart starts pounding in my chest, my face goes bright red, my palms are sweaty, like I mean pure panic mode. I just froze and I didn't know what to do, I couldn't get up out of my seat. No, I think, okay, I think I froze in my seat and then she was kind of like, Emma, like come on. (laughs) So I really hesitantly walked up to the front And then I just stood there and I just froze and then I just burst into tears. And nothing could calm me down in that moment. I was hysterical. And looking back on it, I think that was probably, if I had to guess, my first panic attack. Because I was literally hysterical, like gasping for breath, thought I couldn't breathe. It's so crazy because when you think about it, like what why is my body responding to that situation in that way? I'm in a class full of 30 people that I know well, that I've been in the same class with for the last six years, that have all gotten up and spoke to me, 
have all, you know, I've sat at desks and shared tables with them and spoken away and been fine. I've read out, you know, when you have to like read out in front of people in class, I've done stuff like that. But for some reason, when I have to get up and stand in front of people while they're sat down looking at me, I really don't react well to it. And ever since then, I've had such a fear of public speaking like that. But it's really strange because it's only when it's that exact dynamic, like when it's me at the front of somewhere with everyone sat down looking at me and I just feel like all eyes are on me. And I don't know, I just, even when I'm telling myself, I have nothing to worry about here, I'm fine, I'm not nervous. But then the second I'm in that situation, my body responds to it in the exact same way, no matter what, even if I don't think I'm nervous whatsoever. Like I'm fine in group projects when you have to get up and present to a class. I'm fine if you, like if I had to take a dance class or something, I'd be fine with that because I'm standing, everyone else is standing. I don't know. And if it'd be better as well, if it was one of those dance studios with a mirror, so I'm not like facing everyone, everyone together is facing the mirror. If it was a scenario like that, it'd be completely sweet. But the second you put me in that like classroom type of dynamic, oh my God, it's just sheer panic mode. And it's so weird because right when I was doing my yoga course, and we had we had one class a day called yoga teaching practice, which was mostly like we'd have to write lesson plans for it and teach it to other people and then have other people teach theirs to us. It would kind of chop and change. Like sometimes you'd just be teaching it to one person and it's just kind of to get you used to verbalizing all the stuff that you will be doing because I don't know, there's so many times it's like, yeah, I know what I'm doing, but like, how can I convey that to other people? So it's just to get you into the habit of how you teach it to other people verbally. And like when it was the one-to-one or like even one-to-two, never bothered me at all. And then we did this one time where I had to teach it to everyone on the course. Well, actually it wasn't even everyone. It was like half the class because we were split into two different groups. So it definitely, it wasn't even like 10 people. But like all of a sudden I was back in that scenario where everyone was sat down on their mats at the start and I was at the front. And when I tell you I was not one bit, tiny bit nervous, like I was very confident I'd practiced the class that I had planned and written a few times. Not once did I even think, like it didn't keep me up for one second the night before. I didn't even think about it. I was so chill. I was like, oh yeah, I'm taking my class tomorrow. Looking forward to it. And then the second I sat up there and had to start it, of course the same reaction starts happening I could feel my face going bright red my palms were sweating my voice was trembling we we did like an opening prayer and oh my god it was so funny how much my voice was trembling and I just had to say to the class and laugh at it and be like I'm really sorry like I don't know (laughs) my hands are literally trembling I'll be fine once I get into it don't worry and I was within like I'm gonna say four minutes I was completely fine I don't know why my body just wants to bring me back to that every single time and I think that probably will happen from my first class but then I think once I've done my first class then I'll be fine again or maybe I don't know maybe it won't because it's already happened to me when I practiced my class in India I'm not sure we'll have to wait and see I'll report back the good thing is that I know I will be fine within a few minutes it's not like 
I don't let it overcome me now and let it turn into a panic attack. I I know to just keep deep breathing and eventually I will calm down once I get into the flow of things. And I also know that if it does happen, it literally will just be for that first time and then I'll be fine. Yeah, I I don't know why my body does this to me. Like It honestly is out to get me. <laughs> and I look at people that it comes so naturally to, you know, when you see people up on stage like public speaking and just really like engaging with everyone and interacting and being funny and I'm like oh my god I wish I could do that and it's probably really weird for a lot of you to hear that I'm like that because you're probably like you literally have a podcast and speak on your TikTok and Instagram to thousands of people about literally anything and everything yet you know when I'm at the front of a class of 10 people I have to stop myself from getting a panic attack. It's actually quite funny. Like, it's laughable when you think about it. I've never talked to anyone about this to see if it's, like, something you can resolve. No, not resolve. What's the... Basically, like, it doesn't actually bother me that much because I know that I will get over it now. But I would love to not even have to worry about that happening. And it's so annoying because it just hits me when I'm not expecting it. Like, as I said, like, I wasn't nervous whatsoever. I hadn't even given it a second thought. And then it just happened, like, the second I was back in that situation. So, I don't know, can you train your body to not go back to that? Or not? Is that just, like, automatic reaction for me? Anyway, it's not a huge deal. I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone. I'm making myself get straight into classes. And the second the first one's out of the way, I'll be so fine. But I probably will just have to say at the start, I'm really sorry if I'm trembling when I'm speaking. (laughs) But yeah, apart from that this week, what else have I got going on? Oh, I'm going, this is actually the reason I'm recording this quite early in the week. I'm going to Amsterdam this weekend for a nice long weekend um, from Friday to, Friday to Tuesday, sorry. Friday to Tuesday and I'm really excited about that. I've been to Amsterdam twice before but I haven't been in a good probably five years. No, I haven't been since I was 18. Oh my god, that's six years. Jesus Christ, I feel so old saying that I was 18 six years ago. No, that doesn't sound right. So yeah, last time I was there I was 18 and then I went before when I was 17. But the great thing about Amsterdam is that there's actually so much to do. It is such a good city. There is about 201 uh, museums, so many different, you know, attractions, so many different bars, restaurants. I feel like you can just go back a hundred times and always have a different experience. So yeah, really excited about that. We have a little canal boat tour booked for one of the days and then we have dinner booked for another day. It's actually at this really cool restaurant. It's like a Japanese ramen restaurant where it's only, it's a really small restaurant. I think they only take like 10 people at a time or something and the chef is also the waiter. So he cooks everything and he brings it out to you one by one. He like explains everything that he's used in it. He uses all like organic, fresh ingredients. Um, it's all vegan. Apparently it's like an incredible experience. Just like a really cool experience that you won't really get anywhere else. So we're going to that one of the nights. But apart from that, I don't have anything else booked yet. So if anyone has any cool Amsterdam recommendations, please send them my way. 
there's a couple of really cool like immersive museums and exhibitions I've seen that I'd love to go to actually I'm not sure if you have to book them also I'm not a weed smoker but I feel like you have to try it in Amsterdam also it's very different like it's a different what's the word it's a different experience smoking to smoking in a cafe and going out and doing stuff as opposed to like smoking and binge eating and watching tv at home do you know (laughs) like I feel like it would actually be really funny smoking and going to a museum or something whereas I have no interest in well I just don't think weed agrees with me anyway but I don't I have no interest in smoking and just like chilling at home Anyway, this week's episode, I told you last week I was going to talk about solo travel and answer all your questions. Now, I have done a few episodes about solo travel before. So I've done one talking about when I went traveling Southeast Asia. I've done one talking about traveling and working in Australia. And then I've done two story time travel podcasts. But I've never done like a Q&A style podcast answering kind of like popular questions that people have with regards to it. I will just say that a lot of the things are going to be different depending on not just continent but like each individual country that you're visiting and I also have never solo traveled anywhere in Europe so I can't really speak for that. I would like to do a couple of solo travel trips around Europe you know who knows maybe in the future okay so I put up on my Instagram story asking send me your solo travel related questions for the next podcast so let's get straight into them first question do you ever feel lonely during it yes I think with anywhere whether it's somewhere that you're traveling whether it's a new place that you're moving to if you're gonna be somewhere where your close friends and family aren't there naturally you're gonna feel a bit lonely because you don't have that same close connection or bond to people like you may be making lots of friends along the way you may be you know literally making plans with people every single day but I think no matter what if you don't have those close connections with people you can feel lonely so I think that's just an an inevitable of you know traveling anywhere really But in terms of like, do you ever feel lonely as in spending long parts of your time on your own? That doesn't actually happen as much as you would think it does because there are so many other solo travellers doing the same thing. As long as you're staying in hostels, then you're going to meet loads of people. How to make your family more supportive? Mine are just terrified and don't get it. Okay, so I am really lucky where I didn't really have this issue. My parents thought it was a great idea and although they were absolutely shitting themselves, they didn't want to let that on to me because they didn't want me to then take that from them, do you know? Because if you give someone that energy where you're really scared for them, then they think, oh shit, do I have loads to be really scared about? Like, should I be worried? So they kind of played it cool, I guess. And they were like, this is so great for you. Like, it'd be such an amazing experience. But I think inside they were like, ah! (laughs) My grandparents were maybe a little bit different. Like, I feel like they were definitely more openly scared for me and like worried. 
like this time when I said I was going to India my nana was like would you not just go somewhere nearby <laughs> and they always they'd always text me and be like we worry about you and stuff like that but I mean I don't think you can let other people's fears stop you from doing something you want to do and if they are really openly scared maybe just do things that are going to reassure them to show them that you are thinking about your safety and you are you know you're not just doing this willy-nilly you are actually you do have your head screwed on you do have your wits about you you know what you're getting yourself into type of thing so whether that's I don't know buying things before your trip that are gonna help you safety wise maybe also doing things like So I print out a photocopy of my passport. I also did it for my visa this time and for my COVID passport, but you don't have to do all that. But if you do it for your passport, I did like four, five copies of my passport, right? And I fold them up and put them into all different places. So one copy stays at home with my parents. And that way, if for whatever reason, all of my things go missing, there's still something at home that you know they can tell the embassy my passport number or whatever the other four I'll put one in my small backpack one in my big pack back did I just say pack back I don't know anyway (laughs) one in my small one in my big backpack one in my little like bum bag and then you've got an extra one for good measure and it just means if something does get stolen if your passport gets stolen or if something happens say your passport and another bag gets stolen you've still got a photocopy of your passport for id um, and for your visa i mean hopefully it would never get to that but you know just taking these precautions to show them that you are thinking of these things you could also get you know the way you can turn on find my friends so they can always see where you are I mean I don't really think that makes a difference though because if someone can see you're in a country it doesn't really matter where you are within that country I don't know my mum said she used to always just check my whatsapp last scene and as long as I'd been online she was like okay she's safe (laughs) also think about things like emergency money think about like backup plans for money because you know if your card gets like sometimes you can have real issues with money when you're away because the ATMs might reject your card or maybe your bank freezes your card because they suspect like suspicious activity when it's not it's literally you and then you know because of the time difference you might not be able to speak to your bank but you need to get money out to be able to get somewhere all these things can happen with money like I had a really really hard time in India with money because the ATMs never have money in them and then sometimes they'd reject your card. They were opened at really weird times. They didn't open on a Sunday and Sunday was my only day off. All these things kept coming into play with money and I was like, Jesus, this is a fucking nightmare. Yeah, just really think about money. Have like more than one card that you can use and have like emergency cash that you can exchange if you need to. Always think ahead as well with money. Like never let it get to your last pound until you get money out again really start thinking about because sometimes you'll be on islands and you won't be able to get an ATM so you really need to think ahead on the money front I would advise though that you get two cards so but two like travel ones so 
like a Revolu and a Monzo and then also have your normal card as backup. So that's three cards. And then I would say also have like an emergency cash amount. It doesn't need to be much, like just £100 at the bottom of your bag so that if you're ever in a situation where you literally can't get money out, then you've got cash that you can exchange. Next question. What does a place have to have for you to feel safe and an accommodation? This is actually a really good question. I've never really thought about it. But I would say I always like for a hostel to have some sort of locker. Now, it doesn't need to be a giant one that fits your whole big backpack or anything like that. It can literally just be one of those small kind of valuable lockers. But I think that is really important to be able to go to sleep at night and know that your passport and your phone and your money is locked away. To be honest, apart from that, I really can't think of anything else safety-wise. Like, obviously, there's things I'd prefer, you know, like a fan or aircon, <laughs> but that's nothing to do with safety. So, yeah, I think as long as you have a little locker, you can sleep well at night. Okay, next question. How do you even start to plan? Okay, I know what you mean because it can seem so daunting, especially for really big countries where you're just like, where the fuck do I even start? Like when I was originally planning to go to India, I was like, oh, I'd love to stay for way longer and like travel for a lot longer than than I ended up staying there for. And then I just looked at a map of India and I was like, uh, maybe not. <laughs> like, it's just so hard to navigate when a country is that big because you're just like, where do I even start? With smaller countries, it's a lot easier to break down. This is what I tend to do. I think I have talked about this on another podcast, but I'll just repeat it because it's literally the best tip ever. Anytime I tell anyone it, they're like, that's actually genius. It does take a little bit of time, but not like copious amounts of time. Basically, say you're going to, let's just say Thailand, okay? And you, so look up on Google, Thailand recommendations for say you're going for four weeks so say Thailand recommendations for four weeks or four week Thailand itinerary four week schedule for Thailand just look up loads of different things click on open like loads of different links of all different blogs posts websites the whole lot just open them all go through and read through them all every time you see something that interests you and that you think you would want to go to no matter whether it's a whole, like it, it could be not specific, it could just be a city or an island, or it could be really specific, like a statue or a viewpoint in, in a certain place or a restaurant in a certain place. So it doesn't matter how like general or specific it is, whatever it is, get the app on your phone called Maps Me. And basically it's like an offline app. So you download the country that you're going to and then it means you don't need internet you just need gps when you're there which is really handy for when you're there because a lot of the time you won't have wi-fi or 3g and you can still navigate where you are so anyway you download the map each time you see something of interest look up the thing on maps me right and then it lets you save each place with a little pinpoint and keep going through all your articles all your blog posts everything even you I did this with YouTube videos as well YouTube's really good because it gives you really good visuals of places and makes you think oh my god I really want to go there and just pinpoint them all and then at the end of your research you can zoom out see what 
pinned locations you have across the map and then it means it's so easy to group together what you can do because you'll see what's nearby and it literally it doesn't plan out a route for you but it gives you a pretty good idea of you know where you need to go and what kind of route you need to take in order to cover all of those things and you can do this for a long trip and you can also do this for city breaks like I'm gonna do this for Amsterdam I haven't done it yet but I need to sit down and do that it's so good because then you get to a place and you're like okay I've got this big list of things I want to do I don't want to end up going back and forth from like north to south east to west if we can do everything that's in the east today that'd be great so it means you can just get the transports there spend your whole day in east covering all the things you wanted to do and then you've done everything in that direction and you move on to the next side you also don't have to do what I said and like do a whole country at a time What I actually tended to do on my long trip was a couple days before or even the day before or even when I was literally en route to the place because sometimes you'd be on overnight buses and you'd have a lot of time to kill so then I would just do it then and I'd do all my research for the next place I was going to, pinpoint them all on my map and then I had a pretty solid plan for the next three days of what I wanted to get covered. So yeah that is my biggest tip. Another thing I will say is that don't try and over plan because that's what I tried to do at the start and then I got there and the whole plan just got thrown out the window because <laughs> you end up just meeting people and taking their recommendations or you know traveling with people or hearing of places that you'd never even heard of when you were doing your research and people are telling you it's incredible you have to go there so to be honest just don't try and over plan I know it's kind of what you want to do at the start to first of all feel safe and second of all feel organized but it's all just going to end up getting thrown out the window anyway I mean it's different for like a city break or a short trip when you want everything to be meticulously planned so that you definitely get everything covered but when you've got a bit more time you really don't need things to be so planned to a T also that app maps me is so good because other travelers will add to it and like you can add to it as well you can add different pinpoints for other people to see on the map so say you run into this really random restaurant in the middle of nowhere that's got like really good ramen or something in it then you can like pinpoint it on the map and be like and call it really good ramen restaurant and then other travelers will see it it's amazing and it was really good for vegan food because loads of the time people would be like really nice vegan food here and it was just so handy for me have you ever felt unsafe by yourself in a hostel etc I've definitely got bad vibes from hostels and maybe left a little bit earlier than I anticipated but I'm not sure I've ever felt like unsafe that I was kept up at night worried or anything I mean I think that's probably the good thing about hostels is that you're in a room with other people so if something was to happen to make you feel unsafe then there's other people around. Do you ever worry about your safety and if so how do you deal with it slash what do you do to stay safe? Yeah definitely but I mean I worry about my safety when I'm walking around Leeds city centre as well. Do you know I think there's a level of worry you kind of always have as a female anywhere which is really sad but it is the reality. There are definitely some things I do to keep myself safe. One of them is that if I'm... So obviously meeting other solo travellers, like I'll tell them I'm on my own, but if I'm like in a taxi or a tuk-tuk or something, 
nine times out of ten I'll say I am with someone and they're just back at the hostel like with my boyfriend. Another thing I do is because people have tried to like pickpocket me in the past I've got this new hack that I do. I actually posted this on my TikTok if you want to see it so you can like visualize what I'm talking about. Um, I posted it quite recently but basically So you know the way you have like bum bags and then there's also like money belts that you wear under your clothes. So what I do now is I put like my money and my phone and my passport in my money belt that's hidden under my clothes and then I wear a bum bag over my clothes and over the money belt and then it looks like my valuables are in my money bag but it's actually just like lip balm, sun cream. A little bit of cash so I can pay for things using that so I don't need to go into the money belt and just you know like little things little bits and bobs my airpods stuff like that are in my bum bag so then if anyone is to try and snatch that off me or put their hands in it they're just gonna get nothing they can take it if they want (laughs) and the reason I do that instead of because I know lots of people would be like well why not just wear the money belt if it's hidden anyway but I don't know I like to have more things on me most of the time like I don't know I need all my little knickknacks a lot of the time and also I always think it looks like if you're not wearing anything and you've just got your money belt on and people can see that your phone's not in your pocket and stuff then they're gonna be like well she's obviously got one of those things on whereas if you're wearing a bum bag then people think your valuables are in there. Someone has said I like being alone but making friends to help but that is why it's the best thing ever because you can pick when to leave everyone and when to be on your own and everything's like completely down to you you know if you want to have a day to yourself then that's in your power to do so if you want to make friends at your hostel and go out with them and make plans with them then that's also in your power to do so it's so good in that way like you don't have anyone else to not look after but do you ever get when you're with friends and sometimes you know some people need a bit of looking after or even just little things like sometimes when you're out spending the whole day with someone you might get really tired and want to go home but then you know they don't want to so then you stay out for them but you don't really want to be there and then you end up being really grumpy just say little things like that that you just don't have to do because you don't need to account for anyone else do you recommend traveling with an organization or doing it alone I recommend doing it alone but I do understand why people go with the organization tour type of thing I can see how for a lot of people that would seem a lot safer just to kind of put it all into someone else's hands but I think what you'll find when you get there is that you'll find I actually could have done this so easily myself and it would have been so much better because I could have picked how long I stayed in places and if I didn't like somewhere I could move on and if I really liked somewhere I could stay for a bit longer and just things like that. I think it is actually a lot easier than you think but I do understand why people like the safety of picking an organisation tour. A lot of the time though they will charge you so so much more than if you were doing it on your own so you're just paying like extortionate amounts when you really shouldn't be. And some white guy's definitely profiting off of it all. (laughs) Because like all the hostels or the places you're staying and the things you're doing, they're all just still costing the same amount of money. You're just paying loads for this organisation to take you. How long do you recommend working for to save before travelling for three months? 
Uh, I mean, this depends on how much... Well, first of all, how much you make a month. And second of all, how much you're able to save. And it also depends on what countries you're planning and travelling. Because obviously the budget for different countries varies. My budget was 1000 a month. It works out at about 30 quid a day, including accommodation. That didn't include my flights as well. So that was just like for once I got there. And I find that very easy to stick to. I have heard the prices are going up a lot though. But I think it is still feasible to keep it at that, definitely. If you're staying in hostels, like you don't ever really spend more than £6 a night on hostels. Especially in Vietnam, it's actually like £3-£4 a night in hostels and that includes your breakfast. Another really good way of keeping your daily costs down when you're there is always just eating like street food. Try not to pay more than £2 for a meal. The cheaper the better. If a place has plastic chairs, it's probably really good food. (laughs) That is the rule. But yeah, honestly, the street food is unbelievable. Like you can't beat it. So sorry, the question was how much money for three months? So I would say £3,000 but then you'll also have to pay for your flights and anything you need like before going there. So your backpack, your shoes, you know, things like that. But yeah, three grand for when you're there. Someone has asked, how much money do you think it's good to have for emergency money? Now, this is a really hard one because different emergencies vary so much, you know, like, are you talking about an emergency where you need to get Maybe you stepped on a sea urchin and you need to get it removed from your foot and it's going to cost you the equivalent of £30. Like that compared to if you get in a motorbike crash and you have to get an operation and stay in hospital for a week. Do you know what I mean? It's really hard to measure. So I don't really want to give a certain amount, but I will just say just make sure you have travel insurance because if you do encounter an emergency and nine times out of ten you will have to pay for it up front and then you'll have to claim it back through your insurance. I don't know, that question's like how long's a piece of string, do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's hard to tell what emergencies are gonna arise, but definitely have backup money and definitely have travel insurance. What did you least like about solo traveling? Probably the feeling of like never being able to fully relax and like really just let go. Some part of you, even when you are relaxed and even when you are chilling and having the best time, is still like a little bit weary and on edge of who you can trust, whether you're safe, you know, if you've got your things what's gonna happen after like I don't know I just think it's kind of inevitable that all these things are always going to be running through your head and it's not like you have your home to come back to and sleep at night and know that you've got like the safe space not that you're like constantly in danger I don't want to make it sound bad but there's always just a part of you that's always alert and I think that's I think never yeah never being able to fully let that go is probably the thing I like the least. How do you manage slash get around language barriers? So each country I go to, I mean, I kind of try and do this anywhere I go. Like, even if I'm just going on a city break, 
I always try just for common courtesy to like learn hello, thank you, goodbye, things like that. You do kind of pick up things here and there. I will say that because I'm vegan and I recommend you do this if you're, I mean, nine times out of ten people understand vegetarian, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's still probably beneficial to try and learn the word vegetarian. Although vegetarian, nine times out of ten, is literally the exact same in other languages. Anyway, because I'm vegan, I would learn in the language. I would just look it up on Google Translate and then screenshot it and try and learn it for each country I went to. And I would look up no eggs, no milk, no fish, no meat. That's it, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's all I'd have to look up. But yeah, if you have an allergy as well definitely make sure you learn no say no peanuts in uh, the language how do you keep yourself busy during quiet times i read lots of books <laughs> i read so many books on my most recent trip uh, my kindle was honestly a godsend so yeah highly recommend getting a kindle if you're going traveling it's such a game changer to not have to carry around a ton of books and also then not have to worry about how you're going to find a new one or who you're going to trade with and all that because it's literally just all in your Kindle. Someone asked what is the scariest thing that's ever happened to you when you've been away? Uh, I've definitely told this story but basically like a gang of guys in Bali, they were literally like the mafia, <laughs> it was fucking terrifying, um, tried to mug us and then literally kept us like in a shop and we had to wait like until the sun came up. There was like crowds of them waiting for us to fight us. Yeah, I told the story on another episode. The episode is called Travel Diaries Getting Mugged by Gangs and Mauled by Dogs, I think. <laughs> so yeah, if you want to hear the full story, I told it on that. It's a pretty terrifying experience, I'm not gonna lie. How do you cope with anxiety or mental health struggles whilst traveling? Do you know what? I actually... It's so weird. The second I leave the country I all of a sudden have like no worries about like societal pressures and work stuff like that it's like a whole a big weight gets lifted off my shoulders and I just have nothing to get anxious about or to be sad about (laughs) and I just see life through like a completely different lens yeah literally anytime I'm away whether it's on a three-day holiday or a three-month holiday I never ever experience any mental health struggles which is quite crazy I think it probably says a lot about the pressure I put on myself when I'm home more than anything oh someone has asked for bag and shoe recommendations okay so when I first went I got when you look up bag recommendations for backpacking it seems to be the really popular one is this big like what is it 75 liter osprey bag i could be wrong it could be a different liter i swear it is 75 but i'm not 100 percent sure anyway it's this osprey bag and it's got like your big backpack and then it's got one that zips onto the front of it that you can zip off and use as like your small one so i went and got that spent a fortune on it and i really don't rate it and i'll tell you why i've got a multitude of reasons 
I ended up getting a different bag uh, like for my next trip after that so basically okay so I think the big Osprey bag would be a good option if you were say to be doing a six month plus trip that was consisting of you doing various things throughout the trip from beachy stuff to mountain treks to you know being in like cooler climates warmer climates doing sporty things and normal like touristy things I think if you need like a big variation of types of clothing and stuff that big backpack probably is good if you're going for a four month trip or under and it's in peak season where it's going to be warm I really don't think you need a bag that size. I really didn't need a bag that size. I was carrying so much in it that I never even touched and it just meant that it was so heavy and impractical to be honest. Like the whole reason you get a backpack is so that it's easy to carry around. It's easy when you're getting on and off boats or different types of transport or if you need to walk places like say you got a bus somewhere and then you need to walk to your hostel. It's no big deal but like having a bag that size and that heavy was the complete opposite (laughs) it was no it was way more hassle than it needed to be I also didn't like that it only opened from the top because if you wanted anything at the bottom you had to like take everything out which is fine when you use packing cubes because you know you're only just taking out cubes but it's still annoying like I don't know I just feel like everyone runs and raves about this bag and I really am not on board with it like I don't don't agree with the love for it I also didn't like the small backpack that came with it. I thought it was too small to be practical enough for like a day bag. And it's also like a really weird shape. It's like a wee shell backpack that's like stuck to your back and makes you sweat like fuck. Which is really not what you want when you're in the sun constantly. So I ended up not even using that as my day bag. I'd just buy like a little beach bag that folded up to nothing and I'd use that as my day bag. So then for my next trip, because I was like, fuck that, I'm not carrying something that that heavy around again. And I hated that I had to take everything out of it constantly. So I got one, I think it's Jansport. Now, I actually think it's a knockoff because I got it in like a market in Sydney. So I don't even know if it's, I don't even know if it's a copy of a legit one or like if I'd be able to find the name of it or what. But it's hot no it's not quite half the size I think it's like 45 50 liter it zips right down to the bottom and it's also got three compartments like three different zips which is really handy because the other one did not have I don't know I think it literally had one zip the other one so it has three different zips which is really good and it just means that I don't go overboard with packing because I can't and it's so much easier to carry honestly it's a gift but yeah, so I I took that for my for then any other trip since I brought that with me to India and I still haven't got a new small backpack. I brought the Osprey small backpack with me this time and I fucking hated it. And cuz I brought my laptop as well this time, I needed a bigger like small backpack. It was really really impractical. Also, it's just really annoying like if you buy food and snacks and stuff and you want to put that in your day bag, there's not enough room for it in the Osprey bag. Yeah, I honestly couldn't not recommend the Osprey one enough. If you're going for anything from four months or under, definitely think about getting a smaller, like, 50 litre under bag. 
and make sure it zips to the bottom and get packing cubes because they're a godsend. Okay, shoe recommendations. I am a big believer no matter what the holiday is in only ever bringing two pairs of shoes, one being a sandal and one being a trainer and same applies for a four month to 12 month trip. Have a good sturdy trainer that will do you for walking but will also do you for like just wearing with outfits. So this time round for India I brought my Skechers and I think on my four month trip I brought my Nike, what are they called? Air Air Max 95s, 97s? I don't have a clue. The ones with the wee bubble in them? I don't know what they're called but I brought them for my first trip and they were great. My Skechers were great as well. They're so comfy. I couldn't recommend Skechers enough. And then I would say get a good pair of like Birkenstocks, like a really durable sandal that will do you for walking, will do you for the beach, will do you for nighttime. Like will literally just a good all round sandal that is really sturdy and isn't going to break on you. I brought Birkenstocks the first time and they did me so well for my trip, but I brought like knockoff Birkenstocks this time from office with me. And they were falling apart by the last week. I actually had to buy like a wee pair of one pound flip flops on the side of the road because they were literally flopping all around the place. And I was about to be stepping in the muck within literally the next two minutes if I didn't stop and buy those flip flops. Yeah, I uploaded a story of them, like a photo of them on my story. It was a joke. They were like the whole soul was just ripping off them. How do you manage money when spending it on so many activities? Okay, yeah, you do have to be quite mindful of this. Now, you just need to be good on your non-activity days. So when I said the £30 a day budget, there's going to be days where you'll spend less than £15 and then there's going to be days where you spend more than £50. So you need to make sure that on your days where you are maybe just having a beach day and maybe just going to a few street food markets, stuff like that, you know, just having quite a chill one, that you are keeping your spend to the bare minimum. So just on food and accommodation and not overspending when you don't have to. Like just because you're having one of those days doesn't mean you need to be like, oh, I've only spent a tenner today. Like I've so much more in my budget to spend. Like no, keep it to the bare minimum because then you'll have that money that you can, you know, bring over to another day to spend on scuba diving or to spend on a volcano trek or whatever it is, you know. So you just need to be really mindful of that. But it will, it will balance itself out. And like I was able to do, with that budget, I was pretty much able to do everything that I wanted to do, which included getting my diving license, which is kind of pricey. And also like then doing a few other dives in other places. Is it better to stay in shared rooms to meet people? I feel I need my own space, but not sure what's best. So yes, I think it definitely is best if you want to meet people. However, if you You can like do a mix of this so you could you know stay in dorms and then if you really wanted a couple days chill go to some get a private room somewhere but also there is the option like a lot of the popular you know not necessarily party hostels but the busy solo traveler hostels they will have private rooms as well as dorms which is a really good option because 
you can still be in that environment in the at night and at breakfast and stuff and meet all the people but then go back to your own room so if that is something you think you'd want to do you could do that but I do also think though being in the dorms is kind of like a lot of the time how you meet people and how you get properly talking to people and finding out what their plans and stuff are although you do also get that in the common areas I just think being in dorms is good in that way as well but it's completely understandable why you'd want your own space but I think you can definitely find like a balance and maybe when you're on like an island and you want to chill on the beach and then have your own space you could choose then maybe to have your private room and then when you're in cities and you want to be doing loads and meeting lots of people then you could go into a dorm. Okay guys I'm gonna leave it there for today. I'm sorry if I didn't get answering your questions. There was a lot of people asking like where are the best places to go but I really don't feel qualified to be answering stuff like that because I really I feel like I'd have to have traveled the whole world to be dishing out that kind of advice. But I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Hopefully it was useful for some of you thinking of solo traveling or maybe not even solo traveling. Maybe if you're just going on holiday and you want to be a bit better organized with sorting out what to do and how to research and how to plan it. So yeah, hopefully it was helpful in some ways. If you like this week's episode, don't forget to give it a wee share on your Instagram story. Or leave me a little five stars on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and thank you as always for all the love and support. I love you guys so much and I'll speak to you in the next episode. Bye!